everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here with Connor and Dr. Randy Gibb, Dean of the Colangelo College of Business out at Grand Canyon University, the largest Christian university in the world. How are you doing today? Good. I didn't know that that is GCU's official title. I didn't know. That's the, that's the <laughs> subtext, the slogan right there. Um, well, we appreciate you coming on to the show today. Um, would you mind kind of filling the audience in a little bit of, on who you are, what you do, what you've done, that sort of stuff? First, can I, can I ask, Andrew, where are you zooming in from on this recorded call? I'm zooming in from Central California. All right. Connor? Uh, Seattle, Washington. Oh, okay. I guess I <laughs> forgot that uh, you're from Seattle. There's no Seahawk football helmet behind you. Right? Yeah, I know. Right? I'm not repping it too well. <laughs> yeah, you need that. Um, I'm just here in Phoenix in the West Valley. Uh, so, sorry, what was your question again? About what? Yeah, just talk about a little bit about who you are and what you do, oh. that sort of stuff. The elevator pitch. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm totally blessed to uh, stumble into this position. And so a story I like to share is that President Brian Mueller never looked at me for, he didn't put me in a box and say, well, this is Randy's background. Therefore, he can only do A, B, and C, um, as opposed to, he he looked what I he looked at what I could bring to GCU, um, and now it's six. In fact, tomorrow is my six-year anniversary date uh, to be at GCU. It's pretty incredible. Um, hmm. Yeah. So my background is um, is I was a military uh, Air Force pilot. Uh, the map behind me has dots on it of everywhere I've flown for uh, for our great country with a U.S. flag on my shoulder. Um, so I did that for 26 years, flew six different airplanes, and um, really what, what I, hopefully what I brought to GCU was just an operator mentality of getting things done. And in this day and age of uh, COVID, for sure, it's uh, the saying in the Air Force is flexibility is the key to air power. And, and um in, in business, you have to be flexible. You have to adapt. Uh, you can't get caught up. You know, you, you know, there's a saying, you plan the flight and then you fly the plan. But without that plan, you can't divert off. You, you can't make decisions in route and have in-flight decision-making and risk analysis and looking at different courses of action if you hadn't planned the flight. Because while you're planning, you know where the mountainous terrain is. You know where the, uh, the threats are on the ground. You know where the threats are in the air, be it uh, enemy aircraft or weather. Um, you know, uh, is it day or night? Is it, and it's not a binary. It's, it's the spectrum of, of degraded visual conditions that, that all go into when you need to make a decision. And I remember as a young pilot, I, I would watch somebody and say, man, how did they do that so quickly? Well, it was because they've had years of experience and they made those plans, which allowed them to know that when they did need to divert, that this runway was better than the other due to now it's wet, so you want a longer runway. Well, that's actually this runway as opposed to this one. So a, a lot of that now is, is happening with business uh, to make better decisions in this ever-changing and uncertain time. So it's, it's the business leaders that's, um, 
have planned their flight, right? It never goes according to plan, but for everything I just spelled out, that's why it's so important to do the pre-flight planning, which makes in-flight decision-making um, a little more smooth looking. I'll probably mm -hmm. stop the, the aviation metaphor now, but I think you're good. No, that's great. So you, you touched a little bit there on, you know, just different lessons and things you learned uh, from being in the Air Force. So, so, you know, being a part of the Air Force for as long as you were, what are some of those, you know, life lessons, if you will, that you learned, one or two of those? Well, uh, it ties right in with GCU as a Christian school, a Christian university with servant leadership um, to serve others. And that's the lessons I learned in the Air Force is you, you need to be the hardest working person. You truly are there to serve. So I had the opportunity to command uh, a couple different flying units. And truly, my job was to support, provide, and then get out of the way so the, the talented people who are the subject matter experts in executing the mission could do their mission. So my job here at, in the Colangelo College of Business is to serve our faculty and students. They've forgotten more about accounting, finance, and economics than I'll ever know, right? Because they are subject matter experts in those areas. In entrepreneurship, look at what Paul Waterman brings. Look what David Blackledge, Tim Kelly. Look what they bring. Um, I just need to support them, be their cheerleader, give them the resources they need, and then get out of the way and just let them do what they do, which is teach students like you all and then my job is to support with business development to bring companies to meet Andrew and Connors of the world here in our college so then you guys get hired or you create your own business by the time you graduate. Um, so to me that's what lessons the Air Force were that I could try and bring to the College of Business. Um, it's and, and sorry I, I got to talk about conscious capitalism and the concepts of everybody matters and the idea of we've got to improve our workplaces. Um, so if you have serving leaderships, you're gonna create a culture where people feel valued and loved and wanna be part of this community. And I think we're seeing that again through COVID because businesses with a higher purpose have pivoted and truly people wanna to come to work and they're engaged because they know that they're, they're helping something bigger than themselves by pivoting to help make masks, to help increase, change product lines to PPE, to help healthcare work, right? I mean, there's so many businesses that are doing the right thing. Uh, do they need to make a profit? Yes, why? So they can continue to do the right thing, to create value for society. Um, and then the more they do that, the more people wanna be part of their business, um, which goes back to their higher purpose. So I covered a lot there. <laughs> but truly that's what I, I get excited about here in the kind yeah. of business. Agreed. Yeah, so I, go ahead, go ahead. Connor, uh, so as I say, when you joined the air force, were you, were you, were you raised, did you have that natural inclination to be a leader? Was that something that you, uh, that was instilled in you when you joined the air force? Um, I, I think if you want to go, uh, I went to the air force Academy. If you want to go there, you're, you're competitive and you, you, you want to step up and say, all right, well, let's do this. So I, I guess, yes, uh, I, I went there. I wanted to be involved, be part of a team, be a leader. And then um, in the Air Force, whether you're just leading yourself, flying a, an 
an airplane or leading others as an instructor pilot, you're, you're always kind of put into that position uh, to step up. But it's also just important to know your role and to be a part of a good team. And, you know, here the Colangelo College of Business is just part of all academic affairs, one of nine colleges, which is part of this amazing team under President Mueller. So we all have our role. We need to stay in our lane. We need to do our role. And so, right, to be a servant leader, you're, you're still in a followership role under the bigger picture of this university. Um, mm -hmm. So we know our role. And I think that's another reason why GCU has succeeded is we're, we're not each college is not its own empire entity in a silo. No, we work collaboratively. Um, and that's why President Mueller brought me on was got a PhD in industrial engineering and yet I'm in the business college. Well, my job is to work collaboratively with the College of Science, Engineering and Technology to create this entrepreneurial engineering technology experience, which now you guys see in Canyon Ventures. Sorry, I'm pointing and looking over where Canyon Ventures exists on campus. So it's this collaboration of engineering and business and technology to be entrepreneurial. So uh, my job is to work and help build those bridges. Definitely. Uh, so so if President you Mueller say, was very intentional. Okay. So if you had to say for, let's say, a college student, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, building teams are, is really important. What do you think are some of the key uh, things that someone should look for when they are building a team. Because I know I've had um, you know, mentors of mine and, and probably of Connors as well who've said, you know, you're never going to get the perfect team, but all, all you want to look for is the team that works and the team that gets the job done. What are some of those key uh, identifiers or metrics that you would look well, for? I, I think most people would answer you want to diverse, you want to be uh, inclusive and diverse so you have different perspective and different thought, right? If everybody on the team was from Seattle, right? There wouldn't be a lot of diverse thought there. Um, so we have California, Seattle, Wisconsin, between the three of us. So, and we've had different life experiences. Um, I, I always love this, you know, I've read, if you're the smartest person in the room, you probably don't have a very good team, right? I mean, you want people around you that challenge you and that have different skill sets. Um, so that that's the simple answer is bring diverse people different perspective of thought, um, experience, culture, cognitive abilities, you know, quantitative, qualitative, um, just, I mean, diversity is such a great thing. Let's celebrate it. Let's bring more diverse groups together. And I think you could go farther. Mm. I was, uh, I was curious, I was doing some diving on your LinkedIn, Dr. Gibb, and I found uh, while you were in the U.S. Air Force Inc. Academy, it was uh, you helped develop a theme of educate, honor, and inspire. What did that What did that mean back then, and have you carried that with you yeah. as you've gone away yeah. from that? Good job finding that. Um, <laughs> so that actually goes back to this. It's funny. I didn't know you were going to bring that up. <laughs> so I happen to remember this was behind me. All right. So this is a T1 Jayhawk. Mm. Um, also known as a, a Beach 400. It's a corporate jet the military uses to train people, but the tail's red. So the tail is red to honor the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, so the 99th Flying Training Squad. So this goes back to servant leadership, right? To know that, that the organization is bigger than any one person will ever be. It's going to be around, you know, it was around long before 
an individual and long after. Your job in time is to just to make it better and then hand it off to the next person and they're gonna make it better than, than you. Um, well, what's so cool about the Air Force is legacy. So the 99th Flying Training Squadron, legacy of the 99th uh, Fighter Squadron from the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II. So what we created, one, we painted the tails red to honor the red tails. Two, we, um, the honor, educate, and inspire was we created in our flying squadron in San Antonio, Texas at Randolph Air Force Base. Was cr we created basically like a museum, an art gallery. We, in one wall, 40 foot long by about 10, was a mural of the Tuskegee Airmen. To honor what they did, educate people, anybody who walked through our squadron, and then to inspire future generations um, to, to think what the Tuskegee Airmen did, uh, both in terms of racial equality, as well as just aviation excellence. Um, so that honor, educate, and inspire is something certainly took to the Air Force Academy to make sure I was very proud to share that story as I was teaching cadets who were gonna go into the Air Force. And then um, kind of that same theme here with, with business, as well as even like to show what Mr. Colangelo has done too, right? Because most people don't know his story unless you're my age, right? So how do you, how do I educate and inform you, honor what he's done and then inspire future um, people to go into business and be servant leaders as he is. So um, thanks for setting me up. I didn't know you were gonna ask about that, but uh, Red Tails, <laughs> so it's interesting over time, we only had permission to paint five aircraft, their tail red, but we went anywhere, um, and that's General uh, Davis's name on the front there. Anybody who knew anything, they would walk out and say, love the red tail, love what you guys are doing. And then after I left, the next commander got it, so they painted all of them red, right? Yeah, yeah. So make it better than what yeah. I had done, because we could only, we could only do five at once. If we... There you go, pass it Great question, thanks that. for asking. Yeah, of course, of course. So a topic that we've kind of covered a lot uh, is servant leadership. But I know uh, the Colangelo College of Business kind of has three pillars, servant leadership, ethics, and entrepreneurism. What do those mean to you? And, and you know, what does that mean to, to GCU as a whole? You All right. Um, I would say, so servant leadership is about taking initiative. Ethics is integrity and uh, entrepreneurism would be innovation. So if you want to be clever with words that start with an I uh, and, and talk about integrity, innovation, um, and it, I mean, that's, that's what we're all about. That's what we want across, because no matter where you go, we want you to be proactive, right? We want you to sit back and say, hey, I have an idea. I need to make the business case. I need to show the return on investment. I need to demonstrate it's the right thing to do, um, right? So never just be critical, but have an idea. Hey, I've been here for six months. I probably should just keep observing. Okay, I've been here a year. I have some ideas. I think we can make this better, and here's how. Um, and hopefully you have a, uh, somebody on your team that's like, hey, I respect the fact you have fresh eyes, and you're not drinking the Kool-Aid yet, so you actually have some good insight about asking why. Why do we do it that way? And hopefully the answer is not because we always have, right? Hopefully the answer is, ah, good question. Here's the exact reason why we do X, Y, and Z. 
So one of the things I know you brought up in, in that conversation was about operational leadership. And that's taken from something you learned in the Air Force. How, if you were to speak to your average college student per se, how do you think they could exercise that operational leadership style in their day-to-day -day life, whether that's a business or just going to class, being a student in general, what does that look like and how could they apply that into their, into their college career? We've been wrestling with how do you motivate a student for like, and I know it's hokey because GCU is finds your purpose, but why are you here? I mean, you guys are, are, are certainly the, the outliers because you came in from day one as freshmen and you, you, you had a plan, a vision, and you, you chased it down. Um, and no matter what you do in life, I'm confident you guys will be successful because you just have that approach, that attitude. But, you know, uh, Mark Clifford, who's our assistant dean, runs our sports business program, he and I have been talking a lot about how do we challenge students from day one? You know, why are you here? Why, why are you just sitting in the back of class not paying attention? I mean, why did you declare this major? I mean, why don't you sit in the front row and you're truly here to learn, pick my brain and network and go to every possible event and just be, put yourself out there and learn. And you're going to stumble, you're going to make mistakes, but that's fine. That's the best way to learn. Um, we, we really want to find a way and I, I'm open to ideas because when we do our fall welcome back, you know, we try and give this motivating message, but it just kind of falls flat. And so, you know, we don't know how to motivate the average student because, you know, the upper 20%, they're motivated, they're doing great. Um, but it, it's that middle group that how do we move them to really care that, uh, and I get it, it's difficult, but in terms of like operational leadership, right? Every class is a project, you need to learn project management. Um, the whole experience of college is a massive project. How do you set milestones, budget your time, balance your priority, you know, figure out your priorities? Um, boy, I, I'm giving you a long answer. I don't know if I'm answering. Um, That's good. The challenge is, why are you really here? And we want to, there's so many cool things and speakers. The, the people that, that we have come into these classes you know, a very, very high level person from Charles Schwab comes to class and you get, you know, you get 23 students. Well, there should be 70 students there, mm -hmm. right? How do we motivate those other 50 to join the other 20 to show up? Because this is an amazing human being who has 40 years of experience. Um, that's what we're always trying to figure out. How do gotcha. we get students to attend? So question, do you, have you seen that change maybe through the different generations? where we see a lot of the millennials in the workforce right now growing up during the, the financial crisis and they saw their parents struggle, it kind of motivated them to get a handle on their careers. What are your thoughts on I, that? I don't know. Um, because I say that, listen, and all students are, I mean, you guys have a heart to serve. You're more tuned in than, than I certainly was growing up in this little county in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin, in the middle of central Wisconsin. Um, you're more conscious of what's going on. You're more aware. You're more diverse. You're more accepting of, of differences. Um, so I, I, I don't, I'm just saying in general, how do we get students who come to college to really engage in their major because there's so many opportunities? Um, I, I, I don't want to get into one generation versus, I, because I, I think you guys are better than, than I certainly was at that age. 
in so many ways. So interesting topic for sure. I think we'll have to continue that conversation uh, another time. But a, a question I had. So I did a even deeper dive in your LinkedIn, and I found a, a video of you speaking at the Conscious Capitalism Conference uh, last November. And I'd solo quote from there. You said, uh, talk about GC, you said, my job was to move the college of business out of the 1980s and into 2020 and beyond. How has conscious capitalism played a role in that? And I mean, I think you've been pretty successful. Angie, would you agree? <laughs> Definitely. All right. Yeah. Um, well, really, it's it kind of what we're talking about, about having a higher purpose that everybody truly matters how do we it's not a boss no we're all in this together we want an engaged workforce and i think that's also our christian mission is to lead with this christian worldview of these are human beings and when they go home it's not business in person no it's because if you have a cruddy day at work Connor, you're going to go home and you're going to be a bad husband spouse dad friend neighbor relative i'm right you're not you're going to feel good about yourself so what happens at, at work impacts people's lives in every possible way. So if you can have a more positive experience and you feel more valued, and our best students, you, want to go to a company that has value alignment. So you're going to want to work for a company that treats you, that respects you, that reinvests in you. So companies, so we want to be a college of business that's promoting that and that supports that and then puts people out in the workforce that creates that company and culture because the, the right the, the power of the millennials as a workforce and as a consumer base they only right you only want to buy from companies that have value alignment yeah 10 years ago i don't know 5 years ago companies would hesitate to put themselves out there supporting the social cause mm. but now it's completely flipped right yeah you're a company that hasn't stepped up and had a voice on what's going on in the world, then yeah. they're, they're losing out. Hmm. Okay. So what would you say looking at a, a you know, the average GCU business student, STEM student, doesn't matter, but looking at your average student who's getting ready to go in the workforce and they want to make that strategic change and they have those goals, aspirations, what do you think are some actionable steps that they could take to really put themselves out there um, and, and separate themselves from the crowd, but also actually put, have a tangible um, change in the organization that they become a part of. Hmm. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty situational to, cause you, you need to be authentic to who you mm -hmm. are. And if, if um, I mean, I look at you two, right? Uh, Andrew, you seem to be a little more outgoing. Connor's a little more chill and, and sets back. And yet you guys mesh, you play off each other very well. So I think if you were to go into organizations, you have a different approach and it would be effective to who you are. Um, I, I, I kind of don't see Connor being as, as vocal or proactive in one sense, because that's just not how he rolls. But Andrew, you, you might be, but that's more who you are and that's fine. Um, so I, I guess I'm not giving you a very good answer. I, I, you know, no, that's good. There is something about being respectful and just taking in an organization and a culture. Um, and and I, I really hope you would go somewhere where, where your team leader, whoever it is, would be like, hey, Connor, you've been here eight months. Before you hit 18 months, you're going to 
you know, you won't see anything about our company. And I wanna encourage you to, to share uh, the good and the bad of what you see as our culture and our organization. Um, because they need to hear from, uh, from new employees, big time, new people to mm -hmm. the team. Most definitely. Andrew, you got, you got any questions over there? Yeah, oh yeah, so I was gonna say, I wasn't sure if you were gonna ask some there, Connor. <laughs> no, um, touching, so touching base on some of your education was in human factors. What, what, what is, I don't know, it's not necessarily something that at least I saw um, right. on my, <laughs> on the major uh, walk, I'm just curious. Well, um, again, I'm, I'm not an academic business person at all. So my background is in uh, even specifically aviation human factors. So it, it's a spinoff of a mix of psychology and engineering. So it's mm -hmm. the, the human machine interface of what information is needed, and what is the best way to present it. Um, going around, um, I want to say a month ago, on social media was a picture of the, the, the space shuttle cockpit displays to what uh, SpaceX just had. And it's the transition of a glass display, but again, what is information is needed. So, so my background of human factors is kind of accident investigation um, if a mishap occurred, what was it that the pilot was doing at that specific time? What information did they need? What information was provided? And did they properly uh, understand what, what they needed? The action of, okay, if this is what I'm seeing, here's what I need to do with the controls of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's part of the human system interaction with any complex uh, system, like an airplane. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so Dr. Gibbs, six years at GCU tomorrow, you said? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So how have you seen things change since you started, and what do you expect to see moving forward over the next five or six years? What do you want to change? What do you want to improve? Um, yeah, no, it, it's the, the, the quality of the student, uh, the enthusiasm of our students coming in, the quality of our faculty as we grow, as our brand grows, we have more amazing people. Um, you know, John Rubelid was a, a rock star. It was so disappointing that he left, but then other amazing people will come in and we'll, we'll get this turnover. Um, we're attracting amazing industry business professionals who want to teach and share what they know. Right, it's kind of unique. Um, how do we want to grow and evolve? We want to be the business college of tomorrow, right? So we need to make sure we're constantly integrating uh, blockchain, business analytics, AI. Uh, we're looking at supply chain and software programs. We're, we're, you know, we've started our supply chain program. We're, we're going to update um, our um, finance with a certified financial planning degree program. We're looking at an MBA with an emphasis in engineering management. So we're just trying to make sure we, we have degree programs that directly relate to jobs needed in our society, especially with given, again, world events, made in America, made in AZ, made in Arizona, may, may mean something. And, and we need to make sure we're producing the talent for our, um, our economy to truly allow Arizona to become in the Southwest, 
a leader in manufacturing, production, distribution, supply chain. Okay, so touching on that real quick, I, I know there's a, a, the executive order just signed by the president uh, focusing more on skill-based hiring for the federal government uh, versus degree-based hiring. So the question I have for you is being in the college setting and being a dean of, of a business college, how do you see the um, value of degrees moving forward in the years um, ahead of us as we see companies kind of stepping back from focusing and, and using that on someone's resume to determine their um, overall value to the organization? What are right. your thoughts on that? So we, we met today with 21 um, people were on a Zoom call with talking about risk management and the enterprise risk management, health, casualty, life. Um, so we had industry leaders from the Valley and we talked about specific certifications within risk management. Um, the SIE, Securities uh, Investment Essentials Exam, part of FINRA, a special certification. So we're, we're trying to address, here's your academic degree, but within it, embedded, it aligns to the body of knowledge of a nationally recognized certification. So mm -hmm. I think that's how we're trying to address um, some of the, the problems of, is that just a degree and what job does it lead to? Because we're very outcome focused. I, I think that's what you're asking, right? Yeah, definitely. It was kind of trying to, to pinpoint what um, you guys are doing, the active steps you're taking. I know with Canyon Ventures, that was a big um, approach even I know in Canyon Angels, we use the term de-risking their, uh, you know, investment. How are you, in a sense, de-risking the investment of students into the university? Right. Well, if, if I can quickly just share this, and I, I, I really struggle. So I think the undergrad major is, is so overrated, and so many high school students come in, and they really stress about it. I mean, if you know you want to be an accountant, that's great. we got a great accounting track for it. But, you know, if, if you're a if you're an entrepreneurship major, but you're not even involved in the Idea Club, Canyon Angels, or Canyon Ventures, I'm like, why are you even in this major, right? That, to me, that's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's not so much what your major is. Some of our best students have been a business administration major, right? So they're not sure what they want to major in, but they're pretty skilled and interested in the quantitative aspects of business. But they get involved with Canyon Ventures, they get involved with Canyon Angels, or they get involved with Sports Business Club, or they get, right? I mean, there's so many ways. So it's not your major, it's how are you branding yourself with your activities and your time and your interests that build out your resume or your LinkedIn profile. And that's what's going to springboard you to bigger, better things, not really just your major. Your major mm -hmm. puts you in a box if you let it. Um, so that was a quick plug on the whole major thing because I do like the yeah. fact that I'm not sure what I want to major in a business admin degree. Nothing's wrong with that. As long as they get involved with clubs and activities and they start branding themselves, mm -hmm. uh, it's great to find out what you don't want to do when you're 18 years old. And the only way to do that is to put yourself up. Definitely. I love that. So I know we've, we've kind of covered a lot today and as we uh, slowly work to a close here, what are three pieces of advice that you you would give, you know, either a high school student going into college or someone who's in college who may be in that position, they're in a major, maybe they don't know where they want to go, they're trying new things out, just three pieces of advice that you would, you would give a student like that. Just, I don't know if I have three, but it kind of finishes on what you just shared. Yeah. Put yourself out there, right? Be vulnerable and just meet people and just ask them questions and be intellectually curious about, well, how did you get here? 
you know, how'd you stumble in? I think everybody learned that nobody is really doing anything they ever planned they would be. Like I said, I'm, I'm a goofy Air Force pilot, but everybody has a different journey. Um, so just, just learn and give it a try. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. And the odds are that'll lead to something else. Um, Paul Waterman just shared a great story about this, a graduate, I'll, we'll, we'll end on this, a graduate who, I, don't, I can't remember if she was a hospitality major or not, but she got hired to be in, she must have been, Marriott's MIT Manager and Training Program. Well, when COVID hit, that got squashed. So she looked around, and, and I may get the story wrong, but it's a great story, even if it's not 100% correct. Only 10% have to be true. Um, she knew she needed a job, so she put herself out there and was going to be a nanny. So she met a family, and the family was so impressed with her, they said, well, we don't want you to be a nanny. I want you to come work with me in this uh, private equity firm in Houston and uh, kind of just be my like administrative executive assistant and help me. I mean, so again, she put herself out there. She mm. would never have met this person had she not tried to get an any job, right? But that's how life works is one thing leads to another. And it's Mr. Colangelo's famous phrase is life is relation. Mm. Um, so Paul just shared that story with me last week, and it was pretty cool how one thing led to another, a closed door, but then she found an open door, which led to something never, ever envisioned would happen. And so now she just needs to be a sponge and soak it all up. There you go. I love it. Well, that is all I have, Andrew. I think that's, that's probably good, yeah. right? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Gibb, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah. Uh, to all the listeners out there, if you have any questions, anybody you want to see on here, make sure you reach out to Andrew or myself. Uh, and as always, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening. And Dr. Gibb, thank you again. Yep. Thanks for what you guys are doing. Keep plugging. <laughs> Adios.